podcast Bench Talk. I'm Joe Hilditch, High Sheriff of Herefordshire. Today I'm talking to Daniel Lister, an upright member of the Ross and Wye fraternity, a town councillor and someone who gives back plenty to his community. This was not always the case for Daniel, originally living on a housing estate in Suffolk where he was viewed as an outsider and he became part of a difficult council estate culture and got involved in a life that he was not proud of. I'm talking to him today about his journey to respectability. He's worked full-time since 2004 and has ended up working as an assistant manager at the local community charity Enviability. Today Bench Talk comes from the Tap House in Ross-on-Wye, a micropub of great local renown. Let's start with life in Suffolk. Uh, in 1990 we moved to a, a new housing estate which uh, was to give my mum a better life because she had one leg so we, we moved into a bungalow but it was on quite a rough and ready estate and life didn't quite go to plan once I moved there. I got in with the wrong crowd. We, we did some difficult things as children, as, as many children do do and learn from, um, but that carried on into a bit of a bad spiral into life. So what, what kind of things? I ended up getting in with uh, sort of people that dealt drugs. It didn't go well. We ended up going round to, uh, to chase people that, that owe money to, uh, to dealers and that consequently meant that we did a series of nasty things. Um, we, we would steal from their properties to, uh, to collect the money for these drugs. Were you taking drugs yourself? No, no, never, never got to that. Although the family life was, was difficult, I, they were s- supportive still that I didn't get into that type of uh, a world, so to speak. Yeah, but it's easy to go that way. It's amazing that you didn't. It is, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I smoked weed when I was younger, but I think that was probably about the, the, the worst it got for me. So you went a bit rogue, as it were. I did indeed, very rogue, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, there, there was a lot of things that happened in between there. So there's been, you know, I've kind of jumped quite a lot of, uh, of the, the younger part of where I was being a bit rogue. But that, that's the point of where it, it got a lot of work, got worse. And there was instances uh, that happened with my family that led me there. So my, my dad, once we moved to this new area, my dad got quite ill, uh, got depressed, um, which led to, uh, to, my, to my family breaking up and my, my parents splitting up. Um, and a series of incidents where sometimes he got violent and, and there was things that, that happened which made me want to be away from home which just pushed me further into the, these crowds uh, where I was doing some un- unsavoury things. Were you angry with your life or did you go to school? Were you trying to find a right direction at that point? I, I did go to school. I uh, actually got uh, expelled uh, just before my exams, although I was allowed, luckily, to, to go back and complete my exams. But because I was always frustrated at school and angry at school with my family life, yeah, I, I just didn't really do very well at all. The importance of family, I think, you know, sometimes we disregard that, but that family unit when you're that young is so important, isn't it? it, it yes, it, it really is. And uh, we, I was brought up as a Mormon, um, so we, we had quite a bit of, uh, you know, religious faith in our lives. And uh, when I was much younger, you know, the family fo- followed the, the religion quite, quite strictly, really. But once the, we started to break down as a family, you know, when my dad got ill, the religion wasn't so prominent and I think that got me frustrated too because 
I was told, you know, this is a good way to live, you know, happy families. Um, you know, they had a slogan which was CTR, which was choose the right. And I wasn't able to follow that because the family was breaking down. So I was asking myself, what's going on? Why is the family breaking down when we're meant to be happy families? And that just got me frustrated as well. So did you leave home then? I did, yes. It got to a point, I think it was just after my dad ripped the uh, I had a, a hi-fi system in my bedroom and he ripped it out of the wall and threw it down the hallway um, to which I vaguely remember picking up a baseball bat don't quite remember what happened after that it was somewhere around that point that um, I said enough's enough I want to be out of here we went through a series of meetings and I moved into a halfway house in in my hometown Lowestoft it was challenging a new whole new world for me being away from home being with other teenagers um, with difficulties, having some really strict rules that we had to follow, you know, uh, times of being in and, you know, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you've got to live by these chores. But also, because I was the new kid, I had to do a, a set of initiation tests. And how did that go? Not well at all. I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> um, the, I had to, to pin uh, a chosen member of, of the household down and shave his eyebrows off and his hair off and then uh, neck a two litre bottle of, uh, of cider afterwards um, to, to prove my worth to be there, which, could, <laughs> which then in return um, actually got us uh, evicted oh. from the property. So that wasn't so good. So where did you no. go then? Uh, well, we went we went onto the streets then, um, and did a lot of crowd you know sorry crowd, crowd, couch surfing. So there, there was me and two others, and it, it was just before Christmas. I think it was about three days before Christmas Day, um, and it was snowing outside. And I remember there was a primary school opposite the halfway house that had like a little sort of Wendy house in it, and that was the only part we could see that didn't have any snow in it. So uh, we went sat in there and uh, and tried to decide what to do. Um, which led to, to so, couch surfing. So, and then where was that, in Lowestoft? That was in Lowestoft, yeah. And then did yeah. you say you moved to yeah. Norwich after that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were couch surfing for quite a while. Um, like a year or...? Yeah, yeah, for a year on and off, and yeah. And you were working at the same time? Or? Well, I was going to college. I was doing a paint and decorating course at college at the time. Um, but it was iffy whether I was going there or not. And then, yeah, we were going to different flats. Um, and this was at the same time when I was hanging around with the guys where we were doing the you know, drug dealing and such like. I had heard about this life in the city where you know you could, you could do what you want, live where you want and earn quite good money. So I thought, I'm gonna go and do it. And I did, I got so the train. So you mean through begging and... Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Through, through, through begging on the streets. Um, so I got the train to Norwich and uh, plonked myself outside KFC, just, just by the train station. And was the money as good as you hoped? It was, yeah. The, the, really? Yeah, yeah. The, I, I sat there with my sleeping bag uh, all wrapped up. And on the first evening, I got uh, £80 in cash. Uh, you know, that only took a couple of hours. Three, maybe four KFC meals. I, I really didn't need to eat any more. So we gave that to some of the other people that were that were living on the streets. Because it's like a community, it's a family, and everyone was looking after each other. Except one gentleman, who it turns out I was on his patch. All oh, right. So what did you do? I then had to do a series of jobs for him, um, and which entailed taking and delivering heroin to different properties, which he had to do for somebody else. Who that was, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, he gave me uh, like a, a body wrap that you would take when you go traveling, you know, on an airplane or whatever. And uh, in that wrap, there was another set of wraps with, with heroin in it. 
and we went off to deliver these um, under knife point, which was challenging and scary. You were under knife point. Yes, by yeah. by this chap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And then what happened? Did, did you manage um, to well, distribute it? Or? Yes, we distributed it to us to a series of properties around Norwich, all on foot, and we did a lot of walking. Um, and some of the properties were were scary. Some were not so scary. Some were actually in quite what you know wealthy areas. It's quite surprising, really, because at that time I was quite naive to that high end of, of, of you know scale for drug for drug uh, dealing whereas before I was just going around to, to flats in you know in, in, in Lowestoft um, but yeah we delivered it all and as we were walking back into the city uh, the police stopped us two young guys walking around the street early hours of the morning uh, they searched me they found some uh, some pot on me and they uh, they arrested me. well they they uh, you know took, took me into the car um, and put me under caution what did you do then? Uh, once I was in the car, I panicked a lot. I snitched, I suppose, is what, what people would call it, um, on this other guy, and uh, they didn't believe me. But I gave him it, their name, and, and they did a little radio search and found out they actually had a warrant for his arrest. So uh, after telling them that he had held me under knife point, they put him in the back of the car with me and took us both to the station. Um, it doesn't seem quite right. No. At the time, because I was still, I suppose, I don't know, I'm not savvy because you can be street savvy and know what's going on but I think because I still had that element of family life uh, behind me I was thinking hang on a minute what the what yeah. on earth is going on here like this yeah. isn't right but yeah they, they did it and that's yeah we got to the station and that was, so that did, was that. did you get arrested did you have a criminal record well I, I I had a caution um but the that lasted five years I think it was and it's yeah. you know and then it, and then it goes off yeah I still have the original caution paper at home, actually, and I take a look at it now and again just to remind just to me. Remind yourself. Yeah, of, yeah, of what was so what. So did you stay in Norwich after that? No, no. I, I soon soon got back out of Norwich, went back home. Went was, back home or back to well, the sorry, halfway well, house? Well, back to the halfway house, which, yeah. which was home at the time, and stayed there for a little bit longer um, until I managed to get myself a little, a little flat which had a bed and a cooker in it, and that was it. And you could lay in the bed and you could touch the cooker. Um, it was tiny. Um, and stunk horrible and my mum actually come to view that flat with me because she was still supportive and I I didn't hate her I didn't resent her it was my father that I resented the most for the things that he had done to us yeah, um, yeah so she helped me and supported me for that but I, yeah I eventually got a flat and then did you get a job at that point yeah I did yeah I had I had a series of jobs over the time um, and I worked for an agency for quite a bit actually so I did loads of different jobs you would just turn up in the day and you you wouldn't know where you were going but you would you could be anywhere um, but I got a, a job at All Sports, um, which isn't around anymore. But I did two Saturdays for them, and uh, my sales were so good that um, I got assistant manager w within two two weekends. So was that the first? The, was that the first job you had, or was there another job you had before that? No, there were there was a few other jobs before that. Well, there was a long list of jobs before that, but that was the main proper job. Yeah. Um, but I met a guy who said that he could offer me some, some work selling Christmas cards. So I said, yeah, sure, that sounds great. What do I do? And uh, he showed me this briefcase with uh, five different card designs in. And all I had to do was go around and sell them to businesses. We would print their names in them, you know, and uh, uh, you know, as you do, spoke Christmas cards. And he would pay me for that. But also uh, he would give me tobacco, you know, drink if I wanted any drink. And basically be like a, a supportive friend but I very quickly found that that wasn't quite the case when other things started to happen in his flat when we would go and pick up the cards 
and uh, I'd be sitting on the sofa and he would come and sit next to me and touch my leg and then so it became abusive yeah yeah and it yeah and it just and there was no protection from that and it, yeah. it happened a lot more mm. and uh, yeah Difficult, difficult. Anyway, yeah. then you got the job at uh, at the sports company. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And that was good. It was brilliant. Really, got really positive. So this was the beginning of the the steps out <coughs> of the abyss, I guess. It was. Yeah, yeah. And I still hung around with the the people that uh, we we did, you know, sort of some of the the drug dealing with, but I wasn't part of that circle anymore. Mm. Although I still knew many of them. Um, but yes. that's quite good to pull yourself out of that circle because I think for many the problem is that once you get into that circle it's very difficult to actually do anything else and get yeah. out of it which you managed to do it, it really is and I think I was very lucky again because of my mum she knew some of the some of the leaders of, of some of these groups because uh, something that I, that I haven't mentioned before is that she was a youth offenders judge a volunteer youth offenders judge um, so she knew a lot of people as well, but a lot of people respected her. She wasn't a lady to be messed with. So I think I was lucky on that perspective as well that they were like, oh no, you know, it's Dan, you know, Dan's mum. So yeah, they would they would leave me alone in that perspective. Yeah. So but, you were uh, lucky to actually escape their clutches. Of yes. Yeah. Extremely lucky. Yeah. And then did you move away from Suffolk? And yeah, Suffolk? yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, after All Sports got bought out by uh, by another business. Um, and it was uncertain what, what would happen for management. So overnight, I applied for a, for a job with PGL as a group leader, working with children, which was completely different. To, but I thought, well, why not? Go for it. And uh, literally the next day, they emailed me back and said, yep, you've got a job, but you need to be in Shrewsbury in four days' time. So I was like, whoa, what? Were you still living in the little flat at that point? No, no, I had actually gone back home at that point. Oh, you had yeah, 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 yeah. So back to my mum's house. So, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, off I went. So that was, that was the beginning of a fairly long career with PGL. It I was think. indeed, yeah. I started with them in February uh, 2004 and uh, I was with them for 16 years. Yeah, and only recently, well, two years ago, was made redundant. Um, that was a shame. Did they, they closed down in <laughs> Ross, I think, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. They, they, the head office is still here. They still operate the whole business from here, but uh, the actual holiday activity since they had here, they, they, they closed down. Um, but in my time with them, it was brilliant. It was a life-changing experience. And I met many people like myself that had gone through difficult times. And I managed to be able to share my experiences with a lot of people that come from different backgrounds as well. But I've been to France with them, Spain. You know, I lived yeah. just outside Paris. Yeah. And I lived in a tent in Spain for two years. It was brilliant. Got yeah. a second job on a beach in a bar. Yeah, yeah it's been a whirlwind experience with PGL. It's been brilliant. It's changed my life. And, and through all that time, were you were you still looking at back at your kind of teenage and early twenties life? Did you have counselling and stuff? Because that must have been so tough. No, no, I didn't. When when I was really younger, through the family breakup, we tried to have some counselling, but uh, at that time I was just so resentful. Yeah. I just didn't want any help. And I remember saying actually to the psychiatrist at the time. I remember saying, well, I won't repeat the words, but I remember <laughs> saying, you don't want to help me. All you want to do is just do the job you're told to do. My friends have told me, you're just going to brainwash me. And I kind of, I just pushed any help like that away. Just didn't yeah. want it. And then I just had no other counselling or, or help since then, really. I wonder, do you feel that it might come out one day or are you that busy now that you don't have time to think about it? Yes, I think one day it will. And I, Sorry. No, it's, it's fine. You know, it, but, and I will need to probably talk to someone at some point 
um, because there's a lot of things that I stop myself from doing in my life because I think I might get hurt again. But at the moment, I keep myself really busy in the community, doing lots of positive things and trying to help the community in the best way that I can. So for instance, I'll quickly rattle them off if you want. Yeah, please do. I I have a show um, at Hereford Hospital Radio and I'm one of their trustees and their personnel manager. Um, I work, sorry, I'm on the trustee uh, board at the community centre, the Larapa Centre in Ross on Wye. Oh, goodness me, what else do I do? There's loads of other things as well, and I can't quite think of them at the minute. Um, I run a, a supportive group uh, that does obstacle course running, so we run through mud and climb over obstacles and stuff. Um, but there's about two and a half thousand members in that, um, and we're just like a supportive community helping each other. I work for a local charity in yeah, Ross. Well, we ought to come on we'll get to that. that in a minute, yeah. yeah. I'm on the board, um, but as a volunteer for the local youth club, the, the Basement Youth Trust. Um, and I, I help, you know, sort of guide them with, with, with how to run the club. So, yeah, I, I, I do a lot in the town. And yeah. there's lots of other bits and bobs, voluntary jobs that I've done as well. Yeah. Um, I think, actually, in Ross, I manage 10 different community group pages for various charities or groups that I've set up as well. Um, to help people in the community. Yeah, it's good to keep busy though. Yeah. It, it stops you thinking. Yeah. Tell me a bit about your job now as the assistant manager at Environability. Tell okay. me about the charity and yeah. what you're doing there. Okay, so the, the charity runs a number of different projects and they offer and support. They offer support um, and real working opportunities for a number of different, you know, community members. So they're we, we're people that. Um, I've got varying disabilities. Um, so, you know, there's some people there that are, you know, got, got a young guy who's in a wheelchair, um, people with cerebral palsy, and various other, other disabilities, as I say, or people with mental health issues, um, past addictions, you know, it, it could be anything. So, actually, your experiences are incredibly helpful with much of this, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of the people that work or volunteer on viability, I see, I see my past life in them as well. Um, and I think that helps me to be able to talk to them yeah. and relay, you know, what you know. So when they're having a bad day, I can say, do you know what? I understand. I yeah. Like I get it, and this is what I did, yeah. you know. And this might help you. And I, so I can get to talk to them on their level, you know. So well, yeah, you it's made good. some good life choices in the end, and you want other people who are suffering to make those same good life choices. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I've always said in my life that. If I didn't need the money to pay my bills, my mortgage and stuff like that, then all I would do is voluntary work. Nothing else but voluntary work, which helps other people. Because that's all I ever want to do in my life. I just want to help other people get through their life that are challenged. Because there, there isn't necessarily the right support networks around at the moment. And or people don't know where to go. You know, They sit there and they're just given a web link. Or they're, oh, just call this number, they'll help you out. That's fine, but they need someone push them almost yeah. or guide them and support them to actually make that first step and there isn't that support network but unfortunately I have to work and I have to pay my mortgage yeah. so in viability actually it is the best of both worlds because I'm able to do that um, it's a great local charity you um, haven't talked yet about the other thing that you do in Ross oh yes of course the most important <laughs> one hang on, I was just looking at you then thinking hang on a minute what on earth are we going to talk <laughs> yes of course I'm a local independent councillor um, and past mayor as well through the uh, the start of the lockdown 
So independent, what does that mean? So I don't stand for a political party. I, uh, you know, I feel like I'm on my own and uh, I stand... So no financial support? No, no financial support at all. I've had to do it all on my own. I've had to print my own election uh, campaign leaflets in the past, which I actually kept extremely simple because I didn't want any rubbish on there, any gumph, you know. Um, I just wanted to be to the point, you know. I'm Daniel Lister. What do you want? And that's literally what was on there. Yeah. Um, and people were going, what do you mean? What What do you want? Like, and I was like, well, what do you want? You know, I'm an independent, so I'm gonna fight for you, for your needs, and what you want. So you tell me what you want. I'll take it back to council and I'll do it. But uh, you know that that whole process of of standing and then going for election is difficult. You know, you you've got so many households where you have to go and deliver these leaflets or knock on the door and. And I didn't have a team of people behind me to help me with that. So I had to go to every single household with my mum, who's, uh, she's disabled, she only got one leg, but she trawled around with me. So she came over to live here with yeah, you Yeah, well, no, no, she? she just came to visit from Lowestoft. Oh, right. <laughs> Another friend came to visit me from Lowestoft. Yeah. And they came and helped me deliver all these leaflets to all these households. Yeah, and it was an experience. Some people chased me down the driveway with a broom, <laughs> saying, I don't want to listen to any of what you've got to say, get off my property, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It was amusing. And then there's other people going, oh, do you want a cake? Oh, it's so refreshing to see a young councillor, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, come round the door and actually knock on the door and say hello. Um, so, yeah. So have you done some things in the community? Do you, have you made a difference? Yes. Yeah, I'd like to say I have, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've been quite, quite proactive in the immunities uh, committee, which is one of the committees that looks at the open spaces in the town. So play parks, you know, like the rope walk by the river, for instance. And uh, we've managed to, to get... Um, a new play park down there we're now looking at an extension for older children um, so it all takes time but yeah we, we've definitely done some positive things in the community um, you know I've done a lot of work down at the skate park some of it's been successful some of it hasn't you know I did manage to get uh, quite a substantial amount of funding uh, to help expand that skate park but we're still very much in the planning process because you know, it's just, it, I won't, you know, I won't bore you with all that, yeah. but it, it well, takes a, a long time. Yeah, I mean, um, they tell me about local yeah. politics, they're difficult, aren't they? Oh, yeah, very, very difficult. Perhaps you better not talk no, about no, that. No, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what about yeah. being mayor during the COVID period? How did, how did you cope with that? And did you make a difference then when you couldn't get out? Do you know, when, it, when I was first asked to be deputy mayor and then to, to go on as potential mayor, because you have to be then elected to be mayor as well, I was so excited and so proud and I thought, do you know what? Quite right too, yeah. though. Yeah, thank you. And I thought, do you know what? This is this is my moment to make it everybody else's moment, you know? And then lockdown came in and yeah. I just sat there and I'm not gonna lie, I was just like, wow. And I cried and I was like, I'm not gonna have the chance now to do anything because there wasn't anywhere to go. There wasn't, you know, any uh, meetings to go to, any, um, different events to go to to say I'm the mayor of Ross you know I'm 37 years old you know this is what we do in Ross this is what I, I'm passionate about in Ross this is what people that live in Ross are passionate about couldn't do any of that I couldn't shout for Ross and shout for the residents in Ross so it was difficult but I managed to flip that around um, and took to social media I did a number of videos I signed myself up to TikTok and did like a crazy oh, Christmas dance. Yeah, I wore all the robes, had the chain on and uh, did a crazy Christmas dance. And yeah, just did a, a series of short videos and, and lots of posting and yeah. 
So yeah, it was. I changed it around and and, and looked at it so differently. You did what you could. Yeah, basically. And yeah. Do you think there is a, a role for mayor? I mean, the, the mayor is a force for good. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a force for good. I think it, it it's an important role for a town to have because it's that connection that takes you out of meeting rooms and actually gets you connected to other towns. You know, it's, it's like a PR role, really. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. And I think without that like role... my role, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And without that role, people aren't really going to know what Ross is about or Ledbury, you know, is about, or, you know, Newin, Hereford. You know, yeah. they're, they're not going to know what those... Well, we're going into Gloucestershire, aren't we? Shouldn't, shouldn't talk about Gloucestershire, but... No, I'm joking. But, um, but yeah, you, you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, I do. Will you stand again? Elections coming up? No. I don't think I will at this point. Um, a year is a long, a long, a long way away. But you do have to start thinking about standing again within within a, a year's period, really. Um, but no, I don't. I, I would have done eight years, and there's a lot of projects in this town that I would like to help take yeah. forward um, and give well, my it time to. With all the rest of your volunteering, that there's plenty of other stuff that you can do where you can be very specific about the thing that exactly, you've done, yeah, the more general. Yeah, and hopefully move things on a little bit quicker. I will keep my social media profiles as a councillor active and I will still go to the council meetings. If people come to me as a community uh, ambassador, I suppose, I'll try and express it for those people, yeah. And um, do, you have a, do you have a partner and kids? Uh, I don't have kids, no, um, but I do have a partner, Jenny, who uh, works with PGL as well, where I used to work. Yeah, she's quite active in the community as well. She does a lot as well. She's, uh, she does a lot for the Brownies and Girl Garden Association. Uh, so we're, you know, yeah, we're very busy. Um, and we probably don't see each other a lot and that's probably why we're still together. <laughs> no, I'm sure not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, and I have noticed on social media that you're quite fitness obsessed as well. I am indeed, yeah. I like a, a lot of running, a lot of yeah. running. I'll run with, uh, people might see me sometimes running around yeah. with a tyre over my shoulder. Um, but a lot of the time I run in mud, a lot of mud as well. Um, or go into big buckets of ice. You know, I'm talking sort of 16 foot buckets of ice. Um, and swim around or, or climb 30 foot high towers. Yeah, I love it. It's very, well, it's just, yeah, it's, I would say OCR, which is obstacle course running, is a life changing experience as well because it's all about teamwork and everyone's just helping each other out. Um, I did, I did a, when I first became councillor, I did one of these runs with a guy in a wheelchair and a team of 10 people helped him get around the course. It took quite a long time. So it's not about winning? No, not about winning, it's about no. teamwork. And that's, you know, everyone says, oh, you're so fit. You know, you, oh, you do it because you want to keep fit. It's not necessarily about that, it's about the teamwork, but the fitness, you know, it keeps you happy too. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. So we'll come around to my final question, which is your three top tips for tourism in Herefordshire. So, where we are right now, the tap house has to be one for me. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they actually get a lot of uh, visitors to, to the town that come here. Yeah, so um, sorry about the noise, everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's very very busy next door. Um, you know, it's in the beer good uh, the good beer guide. It has been for the last three years, four years, I think. It's also the Herefordshire Pub of the Year last year. And they have a lot of good choice of local products from around Herefordshire. I think my second one would be uh, the Town and Country Trail, which goes around Ross. Um, so part of that that trail is also a part of the buggy route, which goes through the river around Ross. And again, there's another great pub there, the Hope and Anchor. Pubs are sounding like a bit of a theme. <laughs> Every councillor and local uh, 
per person in Ross, I think, likes a good pub. And that's been developed for a number of years, the Hope and Anchor, and it's just been taken over by a local guy who's an ex-mayor as well, actually, um, and an ex-councillor. Um, and he's turned it around and that's right next to the river so I think that's a good spot but yeah so do the town and country trail walk finish off with a spot of lunch next to the river what more could you want perfect (laughs) and then uh, the third one venturing out of Ross now going into Hereford is uh, Queenswood Park no pub but there is a cafe yes yeah um, good cake and uh, and a lovely walk with some great uh, views around Herefordshire but it's also so peaceful you know there's lots of families there lots of kids running around but you immerse yourself into the views and you just everything around you just disappears it's it's a really great place to go place to find some peace definitely definitely thank you Daniel your journey has not always been easy but it sounds as though the citizens of Ross on have a lot to be thankful to you for and maybe they won't know how difficult it was for you in your early years Anyone can dream of being better and work towards it with the right help and support. You've definitely made it. Thanks very much and thanks for the chat today. It's been great. Thank you.